0: coming up on today's message with Pastor Johnny. The disciples took the two fish and the five loaves of bread and fed the multitude. And if they were able to do that, you can take a small amount of food and start a pantry. You can take a small amount of space and help the community. You can take a small idea and start the business. You can take a small conversation and and foster a relationship. Two fish and five loaves of bread in your own hands is enough for a couple of sandwiches, but two fish and five loaves of bread in Jesus hands is enough to feed thousands dinner for thousands and not only is it dinner for thousands but everybody's full and there's still some left over God Morning church family turn with me if you will to the gospel according to Matthew the 14th chapter starting with the 13th verse again that is Matthew 14:13 and I'll be reading all the way through the 21st verse hear ye the word of the lord from the new king james translation when jesus heard it he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. He said, bring them to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. God's word for God's people and God's people said amen. For the time that is ours to share together, I want to talk a little bit about a tale of two dinners. A tale of two dinners. Here we are again in the gospel according to Matthew, the the church-friendly gospel, uh, reading a passage that many people know about, even those who may not be familiar with the Bible. Everybody's heard the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 men, not counting the women and children, with uh, two fish and five loaves of bread. This miracle is the only miracle that is recorded in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all have him feeding a whole bunch of people with what it would take to basically make a couple fish sandwiches. We have this going on, and we look at this miracle often, but I invite you to today look at the Scripture a little differently uh, about the circumstances surrounding the miracle uh, I read the portion of scripture that's in the lectionary, but this comes after two important events in the the text. uh we read about Jesus feeding the five thousand uh with uh, two fish and five loaves of bread. But there were two things that happened right before that that put this into perspective. uh the first thing being right at the end of chapter. 13, Matthew 13, Jesus has gone to his hometown and his hometown has rejected him. He couldn't do as many miracles and heal the sick or, or open blinded eyes or set the captives free at home because the people at home had gotten too familiar with him because they knew where he came from. They thought they knew where he could go. And and sometimes it will be those who are uh, the people that are closest to you can be the people that hold you down the most. They would say, isn't this Joseph's son? I, I know his mama. I know his people. And it's one thing to be familiar with somebody, but it's a whole nother thing to take that familiarity and try to say that that person can't be great just because you knew them because they are expanding outside of the box that you have put them in. And so he was rejected at his own hometown. And not only was he rejected at his hometown right after that, you start off the Matthew chapter 14, John the Baptist has been killed. So when verse to chapter 13, verse 14 says, when Jesus heard it, what he is hearing about is that John the Baptist, his cousin, no less, has been killed. And so he's got to deal with rejection from the people that he grew up around. And then the very part the very person that has affirmed his ministry, the one that he said when he was out there baptizing people and saying the kingdom of God was at hand, but somebody's coming behind me that I'm not even worthy to tie their shoes. That's the first person to affirm him on the earth. But Herod has killed John the Baptist. And John the Baptist got killed for speaking truth to power. Herod was one of the rulers of that time, and during that time when when a politician did wrong, the pastors said they did wrong. Check, check, check. Testing. One, two, one, two. When the politicians, the governor, the tetrarch, the co-emperor of Rome, one of the four co-emperors of Rome was acting bad The man of God said something about it, and he worshiped God, not his country or a particular politician. Something that I find real strange about these times, and I thought this was strange about these times before, but the the thought that if you criticize a politician or if you criticize Something that is going on, a system that is treating people unfair in this country. People's default reaction in defending that is to say, if you don't like it, get out. What a time we live in right now that if I want to protest police brutality and systemic racism and unfair treatment of people that look like me, that I can be labeled unpatriotic. The history of this country is tied so much into racism and so much into the brutality of those who look like the other that when you say something about it, you are unpatriotic. You should go to another country. You wouldn't have it as good over there. I don't know about all that, first and foremost. But secondly, really, I have to put up with police brutality and racism or be labeled unpatriotic because I speak about it? Even though the Bible says over and over again about loving your neighbor and doing justice and taking care of the oppressed and being on the side that somehow I'm unpatriotic now. I believe that those who defend it that hard, those who defend the country that hard, even when it's going on, their God is no longer the God of the Bible. Their God is the country. Well, John the Baptist didn't have that problem. And so when Herod did wrong, John the Baptist told him he did wrong, so he got imprisoned. And then Herod threw a big old banquet, and his uh, woman and his woman's daughter decided that they wanted John the Baptist's head on a platter because he spoke truth to power. And so John the Baptist was killed, and Jesus heard about this, John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin, not only the first to affirm him on earth but his cousin, and losing somebody that close can be devastating. Jesus heard about his cousin, John the Baptist getting killed, and he wanted to get away. He wasn't enthusiastic about doing the work of ministry at that particular moment. Can I be transparent? I can feel that right now. I lost my brother of 38 years old, Eric McKay, recently. And sometimes it gets hard to want to do things when you lose somebody close to you. Sometimes you just don't want. To do it. And so Jesus departed from the people to a deserted place by himself. Some translations would call this the wilderness, a deserted place, a wasteland, a place with harsh winds, a type of place that disoriented the people there. The wilderness. It was a place with just a little bit of vegetation on it, a little bit for animals and wild animals to graze, but not enough going on in that area that people would want to live there. The Bible talks about a wilderness all the time. Hagar went through a wilderness when she and her son were kicked out. Jacob went through a wilderness as well. The people of God, after they got out of bondage in Egypt, roamed around in the wilderness. The wilderness was not a great place to be, even in the good or the so-so and the ambiguous times where people were in the wilderness. They are still separated from the rest of civilization. The wilderness was not a place you wanted to be. It was rough all over. I could submit to you that we are going through a wilderness time right now in this pandemic. You have people losing their jobs. Not only that, but people who are on unemployment, their unemployment benefits are about to run out or at least be cut while Congress argues and finger points and tries to put in stuff for their pet projects to be passed while people are possibly losing their houses and their cars and not knowing where they're going to eat right now. That is a wilderness. And those who still have their job have employers that are holding it against them, making them do extra work talking to them real crazy. You should be happy to have a job. Cutting benefits, making them interview for their jobs over and over again and steadily reducing the departments that are going on and and while they are trying to cut what they pay you the price of everything is going up because there's a scarcity of stuff available that is a wilderness and then on top of all that when the money is going down and the price of things is going up, now we hear about a coin shortage so now that three dollar and fifty cent purchase you had to make they expect you to just round up to four dollars because you we don't have any more change people are in a wilderness a place where people don't want to live on a consistent basis but even in the wilderness Jesus still had compassion He healed the sick. The text says that he was moved with compassion and still went out when he saw the multitude and he healed the sick. Uh, Something gets lost in the translation there because the people that could read that verse and think that the healing of the sick and would move for compassion was just about medical issues. But this was also people who would have been considered lower class. These people that Jesus was out here helping were a lower class than that of the disciples. A lower social class, rather. And even though Jesus was grieving, even though he was battling rejection, even though he was going and he really wanted to be alone, he still was moved. He still was willing to come out and meet the people where they were. He was moved by that compassion and wanted to be around those people. While on the opposite end of the spectrum, Herod would have been Herod had this banquet in which John was killed. That was for the well to do That was for the upper echelon. That was for the dignitaries, the who's who. You wanted to be in there if you cared about your social status. So you have Herod out here hanging with the dignitaries and putting on a lavish banquet. And Jesus out here with the least, the last, and the lost, willing to spend time with the people and meet them at the point of their needs. Jesus was moved by compassion and went to the people even though he was obviously hurting Hmm, The text says 5,000, not counting the women and children. These people came from all over. Uh, The scholars tell us that with that many people around, there could have been no one settlement that would have been able to hold that many people. That's why I said they went from the cities in this time. And that's why when the disciples were trying to send them back, it said send them back to the villages, plural. There were a lot of people who came to see Jesus, and they stayed for quite a long time. So long that the disciples said that Jesus needed to send them away so that they could eat. (laughs) There's something interesting right there in the text that I find funny about church and church folks when it says that the disciples sent them away. It's something about leadership. Uh, I I find it interesting, rather, that uh, (laughs) they had an idea But the church folk wanted somebody else to do it. The disciples had the idea, the church folk that is, but they figured somebody else could do the actual work. They come up with this good idea and they say, that's a good idea and you should go tell so-and-so to do that. Uh, Somebody needs to take care of this thing. Uh, uh, but I'm not going to do it. I brought it up in the meeting so that somebody else could say, it, or somebody else could actually do it. You ever been in a meeting where everybody needed to n- needed, no knew rather, that something needed to be done, but no one wanted to do the thing themselves? Amen. Uh, okay, just me then, never mind. Uh But Jesus did not let this situation stop him from letting God show up and show out. Jesus uh, performed a miracle and every time I see a miracle in the Bible, there are some instructions that need to be followed. Every time I think about it, when I think about the widow and and I think about Elijah and and I think about all the miracles that Jesus did in uh, Elijah and Elisha, there was always some instructions that needed to be carried out. Uh, Bring me the, the two fish and the five loaves of bread. Everybody sit down right here. There's instructions. Not that Jesus needs the people in order to do the work. Not that God anytime performed a miracle needed the humans to do it, but the the fact that they followed these instructions, the fact that they were given these instructions were to make sure you had some skin in the game, that you don't try to treat God like some sort of vending machine where you put your money in, you push the button, and you get what you want with minimal effort. This is to make sure that you will appreciate it that much more. You appreciate things that much more when you work for them, if they just given to you, you don't appreciate them. Yeah. And so they followed this, this these instructions and they're there so that we grow I believe that the instructions are there for us to grow as believers and appreciate what God has done that much more. Yeah. And so Jesus had them bring the two fish and the five loaves of bread and, 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 and he Look to heaven and bless the bread. And that was to let the people know that God was providing the increase. Jesus took the bread, broke the bread, blessed the bread, gave it to the disciples, and the disciples fed the multitude. Or fed, rather, the multitude. Watch the text. Jesus took the bread Blessed the bread, broke the bread, gave it to the disciples, and the disciples fed the multitude. Say that the third time's a charm, Jesus took the bread. He blessed the bread. He broke the bread, he gave it to the disciples, and the disciples fed the multitude. First off, there's a, a similarity there with the communion. Uh, that, that Watch the text, he gave it to the disciples. There's some similarity there with the multitude and the communion, but there's also something else that gets overlooked. The disciples were the ones that fed the multitude. Jesus provided the blessing But the disciples did the work. We love to say that Jesus fed. Five thousand with two fish and five loaves of bread, and that is right. Jesus was there, but the disciples do the work. While we ask God to help us with some things, that doesn't mean we get to sit on our hind parts and wait for the miracle to fall in our lap. We still have some work to do. The disciples took the two fish and the five loaves of bread and fed the multitude. And if they were able to do that, you can take a small amount of food and start a pantry. You can take a small amount of space and help the community. You can take a small idea and start the business. You can take a small conversation and, and foster a relationship. Two fish and five loaves of bread in your own hands is enough for a couple of sandwiches, but two fish and five loaves of bread in Jesus' hands is enough to feed thousands. Dinner for a Thousands And not only is it dinner for thousands, but everybody's full and there's still some left over. God can take your little and make it a whole lot. If you're willing to put your little life in his hands, he'll make it a lot. You look your little relationships in his hands, it'll make it a lot. God is there for the increase. One dinner, a man got killed. Another dinner... Jesus showed people that he was the bread of life. Rome back then was called the bread basket. Matter of fact, the money had Nero, a picture of Nero on one side, and then a picture of Ceres on the other side, which is the Roman goddess of agriculture. But Jesus was there to let them know where the real bread basket was. One dinner had dignitaries and a prideful ruler. The other had the least, the last and the lost eating with the prince of peace there was an expectation as well because he gave the food to them there was an expectation during those times that if you were of low class and you wanted some food you had to go out and find you a patron you had to go out and find you somebody of a higher class and do some work for the food but here you have the highest class in all the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end the, the one who was and is and is to come. The one that sits high, but looks low, the one that you can do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever ask or imagine the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's willing to give you this yeah. and you don't have to do a bunch of tricks to get it. Amen. Jesus willingly gave it to them. And Jesus let the people know all around that his dinner was better. Better for your soul and better for your peace of mind. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open and we invite you to come. Thank you so much for watching this video. Please be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and share. Don't forget to connect with me on social media, Pastor Johnny Simpson Jr. on Facebook, at Pastor Jason Jr. on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks again for watching and God bless.